Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, and this is the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we interview key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, and integrative medicine. Uh, we review case studies from my office, or in this case today, case studies from the real world of uh, lifestyle uh, medicine. And also we review current research in nutrition, prevention, uh, integrative, or functional medicine. And today's show topic is a case of peripheral vascular disease reversed by Dr. Esselton's Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease Program. Our guest today is Jim McNamara. He's a 63-year-old male who had a stroke in, at the age of 55 and was diagnosed with peripheral vascular disease six or seven years ago. He's retired after 28 years of being a sales manager most of the time, and he's happily married, and he has four children between the ages of 15 and 28. And I heard his story uh, because I went and spent a day at the um, Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute where Dr. Esselton uh, does a one-day workshop for, oh, maybe 20, 25 people that come, and half of those have probably bad vascular disease, and he gives a workshop. And uh, there, they're also shown how to acquire food and fix some food. And then we hear, at the end of it, the day, uh, case stories of people who actually gone through the program. And Jim was one of those stories, and I, again... I can say things till I'm blue in the face to a patient or you out there, but if you hear it from somebody who's really gone through it, this will give you hope that we can turn around the number one killer in the world, actually, which is vascular disease or heart disease, and we can do it by a very simple plant-based approach. So welcome, Jim. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. So tell me, you know... Tell me about your health journey. I, I don't know it very well. You know, how, when did you first realize you weren't feeling well and had some vascular disease? And give us a little rundown of that. Well, it was in 2006. I had a stroke. I didn't realize it. I was at work and I wasn't feeling well. And I came home. My left hand just wasn't working. I couldn't really hold anything. And I went to the hospital. I actually drove myself, which was kind of dumb. But, you know, guys. And I got there and my wife met me there. She, she was working. And the doctors, uh, you know, checked it out and everything, and sure enough, uh, they diagnosed it as a stroke. It turns out it was due to a blocked right carotid artery, which uh, which they immediately had to go in and, and clear out. Now, up to this point, I, I virtually had no real major health issues. Of course, that's probably because I never really went to a, a doctor very much. Uh, but, uh, you know... It, Certainly had a typical American diet for for many many years, and uh, but that's where that's where it all began. Let me interject just for a second. So when you got you went admitted to the hospital, that's called, I believe it's called a carotid endarterectomy. So they went in there and they did you stay there and they did it at, within several days, or did you go home for a while, or what happened? No, no, I, I was in the hospital. They checked me into the hospital immediately, and I think it was the second day uh, after that. I never went home, but they did the the carotid surgery. Uh, two days after I had arrived there. When you left there, um, I guess you would you would see a, a vascular surgeon. I, did there, anybody ever mention anything about diet at all? No, no. I mean, other than uh, you know, get your exercise and eat right. That, that, that was that was the only uh, nutritional advice I ever got. It's like telling somebody to have a nice day. You know, this <laughs> just kind of you know a greeting. All right. So so you you had the endarterectomy, you went home and how did your life change after you had the carotid surgery? Well, it was really the first major surgery I ever had and I went back uh, 2 weeks later for my first follow-up visit with the surgeon at the same hospital. And the two technicians gave me the ultrasound and they they both kind of looked at each other and I could tell something wasn't right. They left the room and came back in with the doctor 
who looked at the results and informed me that the uh, the surgery had occluded. He said the artery is gone, and I, I thought, what do you mean it's gone? He says, well, I've never really seen this before. He says, but uh, the carotid artery has occluded. It's it didn't work. So that was how many days after the surgery? That was two weeks after the surgery when I went in for a, uh, an ultrasound follow-up. Wow, that must have made you feel real good. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was pretty optimistic. But I remember asking him, what, what do I do now? And his, his comment was, uh, well, he says, You're, you've got a second carotid artery, so just, you know, take care of that one, keep it clear, and, and go on as best you can. So, all right, so you go home with that. And were you on a few medicines then? Uh, I wasn't prior to that, but uh, I was... Gosh, I'm sure that was just on the penicillin, you know, and the, the anti-infection medicines. Right, so you didn't go any, like, statin drugs or blood pressure medicines after the surgery or the stroke? I was taking Lipitor, uh, and you know what? I don't know if I had just begun with the, my regular doctor prior to that or if it was just afterwards. I'm going to guess I was I was taking the Lipitor just prior to the um, to the stroke. Okay, so you, you come home. Now what do you do? Well, now I'm off work for, uh, um, how long was I off? I was off for nine months, just trying trying to recuperate, just waiting to go back to work. So when you were recuperating, did you have still residual weakness in any extremities, or were you feeling okay, or what was recuperating mean, I guess? It was pretty much just, I didn't have any uh, any more instances or anything, and it was just pretty much just getting back and, and going through seeing the doctors, going to physical therapy. Uh, I remember I, had, I wasn't allowed to drive uh, until, uh, you know, the, the vascular doctors approved it. Uh, but it took about nine months before I finally, you know, got the okay from the doctors to go back to work. And you were eating the same way all this time as you'd eaten before, which was, how did you eat before? I ate the typical American diet. I mean, my favorite meal at lunch was a hamburger, french fry, and a steering wheel. You know, <laughs> that was pretty much my diet. Uh, pizzas on Fridays, uh, you know, and I'd have my token salad, thinking that that took care of my my, my health foods, you know. But uh, it was just, it was a very bad, I loved breakfast, you know, the scrambled eggs and the toast and the home fries and the bacon. And I mean, ever since I can remember, that's that, that was my breakfast. It was a very, very uh, bad diet, but, but typical. It's one I had been eating since I was a kid, I'm sure. Did you drink much alcohol? Uh, actually, it's funny because I, I quit drinking in 1978. Prior to that, I, I, I drank quite a bit, but, which is why I quit. <laughs> All right, so how did you begin to see that diet might have an effect on your health? Uh, did you run into somebody before you ran into Dr. Esselton, or how did that work? Well, I, I really didn't do anything when, when I, uh, after this carotid escapade, I went to another vascular doctor for, for another opinion because I started, you know, I started getting cramps in my left leg. And, and, and uh, up until this time, though, I still really hadn't changed anything, nor had any, my regular doctor really, nobody had told me that, that nutrition might, might be an answer. Um, and I think when that, when the, the uh, at nighttime, my, my toes would, would tingle every night about after I was asleep for an hour or two, I would be woken up. This was every single night. My left foot would be cold and my toes would be tingling. So I knew, I knew some, something was going on. And that's when I went and my doctor sent me to a vascular uh, a doctor who determined that I had uh, peripheral artery disease at that time. Now, it's funny because my vascular doctor at the time told me about this, uh, this doctor in Cleveland that he worked with. 
uh, Dr. Resselston, who firmly believed that you could not only prevent but reverse heart disease through a plant-based whole grain diet. And, of course, immediately I'm picturing eating uh, grass and (laughs) alfalfa sprouts, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, that's not for me, you know. Uh, So he did tell me about him, but I, you know, there was no urgency, and I just kind of discounted thinking I couldn't do that, you know. So how long did it take? Well, again, so you kept eating the same foods. So how long was it from the time you had your original carotid endarterectomy and I, I, they didn't. They didn't do a, um, any kind of um, bypass on your th- your leg or anything like that, did they? Not not up until this time, no. But okay. eventually we did, yeah. So how long did that take? When did that you decide to have that done? That was in 2010. So it was about four years after the stroke. Two years after the stroke, I started noticing, you know, the foot tingling and getting cold, and my left calf would really cramp when I would walk. And I don't mean a real long distance, just even a short distance. I could feel the leg cramping and cramping. It would, would, I would have to stop and try to get some, some blood down there. I knew, I knew, kind of knew what was going on. That's when they uh, diagnosed me with peripheral artery disease. And that's when my vascular doctor sent me to a surgeon who at this point determined that let's go in and put a stent in because there's some blockage down there. So they went in to put the stent in. And when I came to, the doctor informed me they didn't do that surgery because the blockage was so great that a stent would have served no purpose. It wouldn't have done any good. So we were going to have to do a bypass on on that leg. Uh, So we did that probably, I don't know, four months after after the stent attempt. Uh, They went in and uh, took the vein out of my right leg and put it into my left leg. And it was two separate incisions, one... um, you know, from just my crotch area down to my knee, and then again underneath my knee down about, you know, 10, 12 inches. So there must have been a couple of blockage spots. Two nights after the surgery, the bypass surgery, they couldn't find a pulse in my foot. The doctor came in, did an ultrasound, did some tests, and said that we have to go in. There's a, there's a blockage somewhere in the bypass. We have to go in and try to save the bypass. So they put yet another incision behind my left ankle and went up and supposedly removed removed the spot. I went home about, I don't know, a week later after staying in the, in the clinic for all that time. Uh, went back, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks for my first follow-up ultrasound. And again, the good news was the bypass had failed. They couldn't find, they couldn't find a pulse in my foot. So I wasn't doing pretty good, very good on the batting average as far as vascular surgeries go. And that was about what time? 2000 what? That was 2010. So in a way, I know this sounds weird, but in a way it was good that those didn't work because if they would have worked and you would have had long-term symptom relief, you might not have dealt with your diet eventually. Exactly. I would have been treating treating the effects of, of what happened but doing nothing about stopping what was causing it. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. So how did you, uh, what happened next? How did you eventually run into Dr. Esselton or some plant-based person? Well, not yet. Uh, I went to my regular doctor, and that's when he, he informed me that he wanted me to go see a pre-diabetes doctor because my glucose level was, was, was up at around 106, 107. He said it was knocking on the door of pre-diabetes. And, and you know what? At that point, I just... I remember feeling as low as I ever, ever felt as far as medical issues go because I thought, geez, I've gone through all this and I'm, I'm just, surgery after surgery is just failing. And now, now I'm dealt, I got to go see a, a diabetes doctor. Uh, that night, my wife 
called Dr. Resselston. Again, my vascular doctor had told us about him, and that's, you know, but she called his office. He wasn't there, but the very next day he called her back personally and told her, this was on a, a Wednesday, I think, and he said, I have an opening in my seminar uh, this Friday. I suggest that you, uh, you, both, you both come to that. And she says, well, geez, I haven't even, even told my, my husband yet. Uh, you know, she says, well, you just ask him what's more important, you know, his, his, his foot or, 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 or his job. But anyway, we made arrangements to go there, and that's when I walked in that door, I never dreamed that I never would have another piece of meat again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but, so, so was that in 2011, or were you still in 2010? That, that was in March of 2011. Okay, so you go to that seminar, the same one that I was at where you spoke, yeah. and yes. so you listen to his three-hour lecture, and you see his dear wife do the food presentation. You eat a little food, and okay. I don't know, if, I don't know if there was any um, case presentations there or not. But what happened there? Well, when you see everything, and, and when you realize the amount of research and dedication that uh, Dr. Resselson has put into this. There's no way that anybody could argue with the results he's showing you and the facts that he's showing you up on the board. And it's almost like you don't have, I didn't have a choice. I walked out of there thinking, well, there's an answer here for you. And if you don't, if you don't take this answer, shame on you, you know. And, 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 uh, but what I saw, and there was one fellow who gave his testimonial afterwards, and I thought, wow, you know, that this might be something. But the most powerful thing, I think, was when he says that you can, you can reverse heart disease. And all these times I was going to see these different doctors and surgeons and getting all this bad news, I would sit in that little white room filled with medical equipment, and they would come in and tell me what I had. And, of course, my first thought was, okay, I've, I've got peripheral artery disease. Now what? I guess I'm stuck with it. Now what? And boy, oh boy, after hearing Dr. Resselston, I realized that, no, I don't have to be stuck with it. Maybe there is another option. And it sure is nice when I can drive the boat instead of having doctors come in and tell me what surgery we were going to do or what, what failed, what, what's not working. You know what I mean? It was, it was just powerful. Uh, and I will say at this time, so I don't forget, that uh, if it weren't for my wife, uh, uh, none of this would be possible because she had, has to commit to this as well. Uh, and uh, that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. And that, that makes a guy feel pretty good when, you know, when his wife uh, is on board 100% with you. I, I mean, I see that all the time. I mean, you know, both partners in there makes it a lot easier on the, the spouse. So did you jump right in feet first? up to your neck, or did you kind of dabble in it a little bit? No, I jumped right in. Uh, I, I jumped right in. Uh, it, you know, like I mentioned earlier, too, I, I quit drinking in 1978. I quit smoking in 1995, and I used to joke and tell people, and I pretty much quit eating in 20, 2011, <laughs> 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 which actually is totally the opposite. I just began eating and enjoying some, some unbelievable foods then. But I did. I jumped right in, and like I say, when I walked out that door, I didn't think, I didn't know that I could do it. I didn't think that I could, that I could do it, that I could change a, a lifestyle. And I don't like using the word diet. I don't like using the word, you know, like Dr. Esselstyn program, because to me it's a lifestyle change, and it's a total commitment. Uh, and, and I think that in my case, knowing me, I had to do it 100% or don't do it at all. How long did it take before you realized something powerful was happening with your symptoms? 
Well, that, that's funny, you know, because you really can't see what's going on inside your body. But I had my, my blood work done in uh, just about two weeks prior to going to this clinic. So it was in early, early uh, March. And I asked him, I said, give me four weeks on this diet, and if my glucose numbers don't come down, I'll go see your pre-diabetes doctor. Okay, so it went from 106 down to 70-something. That, that was your blood sugar. Yes. So when did you start to, aside from the number of your blood sugar going down, when did you start to feel that your your symptoms were changing, like tingling in your toes, etc.? You know, I wish I would have, somebody had asked me that uh, at the last seminar, and I wish I would have kept better records because uh, I don't know exactly how long it was, but I, I know that it was, I'm going to say within six weeks of, of beginning this diet, I no longer was woken up at night. The toes weren't tingling. Um, my, my left foot was didn't get cold like it did. It was it was just amazing, and that's really kicked the momentum for me. That really kept saying, "Wow, this thing is working. Something's happening here," and and, and that really pushed me. Kept pushing me. Um, the left, the, the cramping in the left leg, it was a gradual diminishment to the point where I, I, I couldn't walk down to the corner of the street without stopping. Now I go 40 minutes a day with the dog in the park every single day and don't stop. And when did your energy start to improve? Or did that, was that something not an issue before? Or it, I don't think it was much of an issue. I've always been pretty active. But just my, my zest for life just changed. It was, it was unbelievable. I no longer feared a heart attack or vascular issues. I just didn't fear them. I says, I'll face them right on because they were going away. Gradually, they were going away. Every day I felt better. And I think when you have that positive outlook, everything changes. Your energy level goes up. Your Everything just looks better. You know, everything you do is better. Um, you just enjoy everything you do. So, I mean, gosh, that I, to me, I think it just resulted in positive energy. Did you have your any rechecks of your ultrasounds of your carotids or your the uh, arteries in in your in your legs at all to see if they yes, have changed? I still do every <clears throat> every six months I get both carotid arteries ultrasounded and once a year I get my left leg ultrasounded and, and what is what did they see that's what the of course the right carotid artery that occluded originally is still occluded that that's never going to change because it's gone it's just not there uh, the left carotid that I had cleared out prior to the surgery, uh, the, the bypass surgery, um, is open. No, no progression of any disease. There, in fact, I was just looking at the last letter from my, the vas my vascular doctor, and he said uh, the left carotid is open and no sign of, of plaque. The leg has been no progression of the de that disease whatsoever. In fact, I remember the doctor telling me there was a slight change in it. It actually had improved slightly. And he says, but we consider that uh, as no change because it's so minor. I said, well, maybe you consider it no change. But that's big news to me. <laughs> you know, just a, it was like a point. I don't even know how it's measured, but it was just a fraction of an improvement. But there's been absolutely no progression, and that's, that's been five years now I've been getting that monitor. Right. So are you not a diabetic? Your blood sugar is fine? Correct. Okay. And how much did you lose weight during this whole couple-year process? Yeah, I lost, I lost 40, 40 to 45 pounds, uh, just a steady, a steady drop. And never once did I consider, I mean, did I worry about how much I was eating. It just, it just came off. And I, it was beautiful because everything I chose to eat, I could eat as much as I want because it was all good for you. 
You said the magic word there. That'll make some people happier listening. Did you get off any medicines? Yes. Uh, I got off. I was on, after the bypass surgery, I was on uh, Coumadin. And I remember going back to my the one vascular surgeon, and he said, man, he said, what? Because I had lost all this weight, and, and, and the, the disease, the blockage wasn't progressing. And he says, man, he says, you're my star student. What are you doing, exercising? I said, no, I just, I just changed, uh, changed my debt to a plant-based whole-grain diet. And his comment was, well, the only diet I care about is the Coumadin diet. He, he has since moved to Philadelphia, I believe, and he was a very well-affected <laughs> surgeon. Uh, and I understand the surgeon's world that they do surgery. That's what they do. But I thought, wow, that, that was kind of... Well, here's a, key, here's a key thing that I do want to ask you that comes up all the time in the clinic. So if you were on Coumadin, for how long were you uh, for your leg? Uh, from 2011 to, or from 2010 to 2014. Okay, so Esselton, Dr. Esselton is big on leafy green vegetables. So yeah. you get patients all the time saying, you know, I'm not supposed to eat too many leafy green vegetables because it'll make my Coumadin go crazy and and mm-hmm. I'll and I'll bl- and I'll clot. So what what advice did Dr. Esselton give you on that particular topic? And what did um, maybe the people who are following your uh, pro times and things like that, your your clotting times say. Dr. Esselstyn said that, uh, says that nobody in their right mind is going to tell you not to eat the healthiest food in the world. He says you have them adjust your Coumadin level to what you're eating, not your eating to your Coumadin level. That is the most powerful thing, I'm just telling you, that you have said, and, and you might not realize it, but the reason I brought that up is because that is the fear that, I, and that I've had patients tell me and they get scared. And I, yeah. and I say the very same thing, adjust your Coumadin level. Right. So, it, 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 and, the only, it, and when you're on Coumadin, they, they don't want you to spike. They don't want you to all of a sudden start eating a lot of greens. But if you just eat a ton of greens from the get-go, you'll be on less and less Coumadin, you know, as you go. Yeah, you're, you're correct. Totally correct. Thank you. That's and my the... doctor, it's funny because my vascular doctor then told me, he says, look, he says, you've been so steady at the Coumadin, you don't have to go every month. Just go every other month to get it checked because you've been so steady. Yeah, but you've eaten those greens. Now, let's right. talk about, we got a few minutes left. Let's talk about the dietary changes that were the most profound for you. So can you tell me like, well, let's just say, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, every day I have oatmeal with uh, flaxseed meal in it and, you know, some blueberries or, yeah, it's usually blueberries that I put. That's what I like. Uh, and that's what I have every day. Every day I have that for breakfast. Do you have a nut milk on it? No. Okay. So just, uh, I just, just make it with water and, and that's it. Do you have tea or coffee or what do you have for? I, I have decaffeinated coffee. Decaf. Okay. So let's cruise on to, do you snack between breakfast and lunch or what do you have for lunch? Not usually. For lunch, I'll have, I usually have, I have, I buy, buy Ezekiel wraps, just make a wrap, and gosh, like, today I just opened up the refrigerator, and there was some, uh, we had some stuff, some stuffed peppers the other day that was stuffed with brown rice and, and raisins and, and stuff like that, and it, whatever, whatever's in the, uh, the refrigerator, I put on the wrap, roll it up, put it in the oven, a little hummus on it, and away I go. Is, That's my lunch. Is hummus your mayonnaise? Oh, hummus is my mayonnaise. It's my chip dip. It's uh, <laughs> it's everything, you know. And I found I found a beautiful hummus that is store bought. Uh, it's made by Sahara Cuisine. That is, is no oil, no tahini because tahini is a form of oil. There's no oil in it at all. It's it's just and it's just wonderful. I just love it. So I have it all the time. How hard was it for you to get oils out of your diet? Wasn't hard at all. 
uh, once I realized that I could put a couple drops of, of vegetable broth, it does the same thing. Oil doesn't do anything that water or vegetable broth couldn't do. Uh, and there's so much water in vegetables. When I make a stir-fry, geez, oh, man, there's so much water in the vegetables themselves. You don't really need anything, you know. But, no, oil oil was really no problem. The only time oil is an, is an issue is when you're trying to buy uh, whole wheat bread and you're reading instructions, and, of course, oh, there at the end is the old canola oil or the, you know, the vegetable oil. Uh, but as far as cooking, it, it's, it was really not an issue, you know. How about dinner? What's a what's typical dinner? Well, like I say, we made the other night. I made uh, well tonight. We had the brown rice with black beans and like a chipotle style uh, salad bowl with salad and cook, uh, fresh cut tomatoes on it. And uh, the other night we had well, I can have pasta. But you can either make the tomato sauce or there's some oil-free uh, tomato sauces in the jars in, in the stores, like at Whole Foods, for example. And I just use whole wheat pasta and get 100% whole wheat rolls. Uh, so I can still have my spaghetti, pizza. We make our own pizzas. You can't really buy them anywhere, you know, the pizzas at pizza shops because they've got so much oil in them and stuff. But uh, just I buy pizza shells out of Tallahassee, Florida. I order them online. They're available here in some markets, but I found one that I really like. And we order them up, and we, you know, we order a couple dozen of them, throw them in the freezer, and we have our pizzas every Friday. You know, it's 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 amazing. I've tried to make some veggie burgers, you know, from scratch. That's a little tough for a 63-year-old guy to do. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes my wife will get ambitious; and she'll try something, you know. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But what would you say to someone who's listening, who has, who's scared, has bad, either heart disease or carotid artery disease or peripheral vascular disease and because they, they say i can't do that what that guy just did what would you say to them i would say don't sell yourself short I'm convinced for example doctors will not take me off of all medication they won't take any patient off of medications because they firmly believe that 98 percent of their patients cannot stick to a certain lifestyle or diet change they believe yeah you might do it for a week but you're not going to stick with it you know what, I think the patient needs to make that decision. And I would tell somebody to believe in yourself because once you see after two weeks, you start seeing some things changing and feeling some changes, man, oh, man, you're going to feel good. And the, the biggest, best tribute I could say is when I look around and I see my, my, my two daughters are plant-based now, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are plant-based now, and they are plant-based for one reason, because they saw what it did for me they saw the change in me not only just the weight loss but but the the, the total transformation of me physically and in a vascular sense especially my outlook how vibrant it is my uh my brother-in-law's mother is 80 years old totally off her diabetes medication because she saw what happened to me and she adopted that plant-based lifestyle how good does that make me feel you know when people are doing things for themselves because of something that, that I did. And it's not like I sat down and talked them into it. They just saw what happened, and they said, wow, uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. So I would just tell somebody, boy, oh, boy, you owe it to yourself. Give yourself a chance. It's not that bad. It's, in fact, it's a, it, it, you'd be surprised how, how great it is. Would you tell them, how would you tell them to start? Read his book, uh, get the cookbook. How would you tell someone to start? What I would do is I would I, I have two copies of a movie Forks Over Knives, and I would I suggest to anybody look 
Here's the movie. If you don't you can't find here it is. Take mine. Just give it back when you're done. Uh, watch that movie. And after that, if you still want to talk about it, give me a call. Because it seems like nobody diet is like politics and religion. It seems nobody wants to nobody wants to talk about it because they know they should be doing it, but they just haven't done it. And I say, well, after you watch this movie, you still want to talk, let's talk, because I'll talk forever about it. But I know better than to sit here and try to convince you to do this without you realizing that something, you know, something can happen. But once they watch that movie, they're a little more, they can see that, wow, maybe there's something here. That's you know? awesome. If uh, is there anything you would like to say to Dr. Esselton? Well, I would like to just uh, thank him for the, the commitment to this and the, the, the phenomenal amount of research he has done through the years for opening that door for me. And, and I give myself as much credit and, I give, and, and my wife as well. But he, he kind of set the table and opened the door for, for me, and I just kind of entered it. Uh, so I just want him to know how, how thankful I am for the amount of time and commitment that he's put into this, this, this research. Well, I want to thank you, Jim, for coming on the show today. And, and, you know, I will post this not only at my Staying Healthy Today blog, but it'll also go up into iTunes. And I'll have the, some written material underneath where they can connect with resources. And I just want to thank you because your fervor and your clarity come through. Um, you got me excited, and I do this every day. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so keep up the great work, and, and I hope you reach some more people, and I hope this reaches a few people. So thanks again for coming on the show. Absolutely, Kirk. Thank you for the invitation. It was great uh, meeting you last week up here in Cleveland. And I want to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of the Staying Healthy Today show. And go to stayinghealthytoday.com, sign up for the podcast so these things come to you uh, at least weekly, and uh, stay on my health letter list, and I'll talk to you soon, and you all have a fabulous day.